Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Greetings and welcome in the name of Yeshua. I'm Dr. Noreen Jacks. Thank you for tuning in to Bible Interact Presents. Our topic today is the meaning of heavenly shalom. Hardly a day goes by that I don't receive a prayer request concerning someone struggling with acute depression, anxiety, or panic attacks. Mental and emotional illnesses are becoming epidemic in today's society, and we must take them seriously. There are many causes for these disorders, and there are many side effects, often resulting in destructive behavior, including substance abuse and, God forbid, even suicide. What does the Bible say about mental health issues? Can a book as old as the Bible give relevant advice concerning the mounting crisis of stress-related issues facing our modern world? I believe it can because the Word of God is eternal. The Bible was written for men of all times. It is the most comprehensive, relevant mental health book ever written. It is man's roadmap to peace. Without peace, even the most successful, talented, and wealthy among us live in abject misery. Heavenly peace is a treasure beyond human comprehension, yet it is readily available to all who seek this divine gift. Listen to the following scripture from the book of John, chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. We have a reversal of word order in the Greek translation in this scripture, with the subject preceding the vowel as in English. The normal word order in both Greek and Hebrew, however, is verb, subject, direct object. Deviation from the normal syntax is a literary device used to denote emphasis. In other words, Yeshua is endeavoring to make a very important point here. Also note the use of repetition in the passage. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. So both the word order and the repetition were used to get his listeners' attention. Yeshua yearned for his disciples to receive his gift of peace, his heavenly shalom. I suggest you underline this passage and write emphatic in the margin to help you remember the next time you read it. Now let's look at John chapter 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Now, we have the personal pronoun emoi here, meaning me, and it has an epsilon in front of it in the Greek for those of you who are Greek students or Greek scholars. This is emoi, which is an emphatic form of the personal pronoun. So what we are um, seeing here is Yeshua was very likely pointing to himself when he said the term emoi, or me. I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace, making uh, 
an emphasis to the point that he alone is the true and lasting source of peace. And the word tribulation, also mentioned in this passage, is thlipsis, meaning oppressing or oppressing together, pressure, oppression, affliction, or distress. It would describe someone who is in dire straits, someone who is desperate. Well, to that person, Yeshua offers his gift of peace. Tribulation is inevitable in this world, but Yeshua has the remedy for everything that ails us, his perfect peace, his heavenly peace. So we also need to remember the promise given to us in Romans 8.28. Through this we can be assured of peace, according to the passage, when we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Praise God. The phrase, peace be with you, was a common greeting in ancient Israel, shalom. It was a typical way of saying hello or goodbye, similar to Hawaii's friendly aloha. Although Yeshua's words in these passages were recorded in Greek, his meaning was Hebraic in thought. The Greek term for peace is irene. It's the root of the English name Irene. Irene speaks of the harmonious relationship between men and nations, freedom from molestation, and it means the absence of war. Now, while all this is a beautiful, powerful concept, the Hebrew term for peace is even more encompassing. Let me tell you a little bit about the Hebrew shalom. Hebrew term for peace, shalom, signifies not only peace, but well-being, good health, welfare, security, prosperity, and rest for an individual, for his spouse, his children, his extended family, his business, his crops, his herds, everything else one can imagine. Shalom invokes the wholeness of body, mind, soul, and spirit, and the complete absence of agitation and stress. Shalom is quite literally a foretaste of heaven. When a Jew blesses a fellow Jew with shalom, he has been blessed indeed. The term Sar Shalom, meaning Prince of Peace, is one of the descriptive names the Bible uses to describe the ministry and character of the Messiah. This is recorded in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Here we have Sard Shalom, Prince of Peace. Praise the Lord. Now, let's talk about the priestly blessing for a few moments, a blessing of peace. The priestly blessing is also known as the Aaronic blessing. And in this, we're going to talk about the Hebrew letter Shin, S-H-I-N. In the days of the temple, a blessing was imparted to the people by the Kohenim, the priesthood. The sacred gesture was performed with both arms held horizontally in front at shoulder level. With hands and fingers touching, the Hebrew letter Shin was formed on both hands. The Shin is a very special letter. It represents the Hebrew term Shaddai, one of the names of God. Some of you may recognize the hand gesture from the old Star Trek TV program where the gesture was used for a different purpose. For those of you who are not familiar with the Hebrew letter Shin, I suggest you Google the Hebrew Aleph base, the Hebrew alphabet, to see what it looks like. 
The sheen is the second to the last letter in the alphabet. Now let's read about this special priestly blessing that's recorded in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face upon you and give you shalom in the name of Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. In this passage, the term face, which is singular in number, is translated from the Hebrew term panim, a word with a masculine plural ending, the I-M ending. Here's something to ponder. Why is the phrase face of God written in the plural form in the divinely inspired word of God? I believe the term hints, the plural term, hints of the Father and the Son, the faces of God, a plural unity, yet two distinct supreme beings. Can you recognize Yeshua in the term face of God? I think this is a very exciting revelation. During the service, the worshipers were not allowed to look at the Kohanim during the blessing. Instead, the people focused their attention on the words of the prayer rather than on the personalities of the Kohanim who are merely the channels of the divine impartation. Because the Spirit of God is too powerful, too beautiful, too awesome for any mortal to gaze upon and survive, the Jews reverently covered their faces with their hands during the priestly blessing. Unfortunately, superstition arose from this ritual, such as, don't look at the Kohanim, you will go blind. As the designated representatives of Almighty God, the Kohanim interceded for the people. The blessings they pronounced upon the faithful were a foreshadowing of the blessings of redemption and the heavenly peace that would one day come through our blessed Yeshua. Now, in the following passage that I'm going to read, we will see that the first blessing Yeshua imparted to his grieving disciples after his death and resurrection was this marvelous gift of peace. Um, I'll be reading from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. This passage discusses Yeshua's first post-resurrection appearance to his disciples. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he said, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. In verses 19 and 21, Sarah Shalom, the Prince of Peace, imparted the priestly blessing of Shalom to his disciples. He then breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit, to enable them to live and minister under the anointing of Almighty God. This occurred prior to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. This event marked a divine impartation of lasting peace and spiritual empowerment. The peace of Yeshua will endure for eternity, but the fickle peace treaties the world offers today is of little value, signed today and broken tomorrow. 
Note that Yeshua showed his disciples his wounded hands. He also showed them his side, but I'm interested primarily right now in his hands. Although the passage does not indicate that Yeshua made the traditional hand gesture of the Kohanim while blessing them, I would speculate that he would have done so. After all, Yeshua was, is, and always will be the high priest of Israel, the Kohen Hagadol. And scripture tells us that he blessed the disciples. Imagine the shock of the disciples when they witnessed the nail prints in Yeshua's hands, the indisputable evidence of his identity, and all this happened at the very moment that he imparted the priestly blessing of Shalom. Their beloved rabbi was a priest. The disciples had been experiencing the most grievous heartaches of their life when Yeshua walked through the unlocked door and suddenly appeared in their midst. The resurrected Savior had forever conquered the curse of death, hell, and the grave on their behalf. His unexpected but most welcome visitation, his priestly blessing, and the supernatural comfort he bestowed upon them came at the greatest time in their life, at the time of greatest need. Now let's talk about the symbolism of the sheen in the priestly blessing. According to Jewish tradition, the 22 letters of the Hebrew Aleph base, the alphabet, are considered sacred, even superior to all other alphabets. The sages claim that God used the Hebrew tongue when he spoke the world into existence. I've shared this with you before. This implies that the Aleph base was the very first creative act. For this reason, the individual letters are regarded as the building blocks of divine creation. Among the sacred letters, the sheen ranks high in esteem because it represents three of the holy names of God. I will share those with you now. First of all, we have Shaddai, meaning the all-sufficient or the unlimited one. This is the omnipotent master of the universe. Then we have Hashem, which means the name. Shem is name. This refers to the name above all names, the name of Almighty God. And then we have Shalom, what we've been talking about in this session. Physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional peace. Perfect, heavenly peace. Now, when you look at the Shem, you see the upward-turned arms. And they have several symbolic meanings in Judaism. Some of these meanings include tree branches stretching to the sky. Then there are the flames of fire pointing towards the heaven, and even the upward growth of flowers and vegetation. We also think of the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the uplifted hands of Moses as he interceded during the battle with the Amalekites in Exodus chapter 17, verse 11. The three-headed sheen also reminds the Jews of the rainbow with its three primary colors, red, yellow, and blue, like fire that blend together to form its diverse hues. The rainbow with its bow high in the sky beside the throne of Almighty God is a peace symbol and a promise. Never again will God destroy the world by flood. This is recorded in Genesis 9, verses 12 to 17. God said, This is the sign of the covenant, 
which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh on the earth. Did you notice all the repetition in this passage? Did you notice the term covenant is mentioned five times? This is very emphatic repetition coming right from the mouth of God. The number five speaks of grace in Christianity. Interestingly, in Judaism, the number five represents semi-completeness and protection. Now, in your mind, I want you to picture the inversion of the rainbow. It points heavenward away from the earth, demonstrating that God, in the manner of ancient kings, hung up his weapon, hung up his bow, after declaring peace on the earth. The rainbow, then, is a visible reminder of God's covenant of peace. Praise God. I think this is so powerful, and it should truly bless our hearts. The priestly blessing of peace is the Lord's gift to true believers. Even in troubled times, we are commanded and empowered to live and breathe shalom. It is the uncircumstantial peace that passes all understanding. We read about that in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Praise God. It is only through Almighty God and His precious Son, Yeshua, that one can discover well-being, health, protection, completeness, security, rest, perfection, and wholeness of body, mind, soul, and spirit with the price fully paid. The symbolism, then, of the sacred sheen reminds us of the all-sufficient, unlimited, omnipotent power of Hashem, the glorious name that is above all names. Truly, God's people should be anxious for nothing. Forgive us, Lord, when we fall from this biblical ideal. Perhaps you need to repent from anxiety. I know that's something I need to repent from very often. God, forgive us. Now, let me tell you about the phrase Shabbat Shalom. We've already discussed the definition of the Hebrew Shalom, meaning peace and well-being in every single aspect of life. Now we will discuss the term Shabbat, which is derived from the verb Shabbat, meaning to cease or desist, or from Shev, meaning to sit. The term is generally translated as rest, but the idea of ceasing from one's labor defines the term more accurately. God did not rest from his labor on the seventh day because of extreme fatigue from six days of creating the universe. He merely ceased from his labor 
according to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. The scripture does not imply that God took a nap. God did not need to take a nap. Yeshua needed to take naps when he was in his earthly body, but not Almighty God. The number seven speaks of completion and perfection in the Bible. The seventh day marks the culmination of a hard week's work and a time for pleasant diversion before the new week begins the following day. The weekly commemoration of Shabbat is a time for family, fun, and food, and fellowship, and most important of all, it's a time set aside for communicating with the God of the universe to praise Him for His many creative acts and the mighty deliverance He purchased for us from the enemy. Interestingly, the common term for Saturday in more than 30 languages is a cognate of Shabbat. Now, what is meant by the term Shabbat Shalom? After hearing me say the word Shalom, one of the girls in my jail class asked me for the definition of the phrase Shabbat Shalom. She recalled hearing the greeting when her father brought her to Shabbat services when she was just a young child. She remembers little else about her religious upbringing, but she remembered Shabbat Shalom. And that is a very good place to begin anew with the Lord God Almighty. This precious girl is now serving her Messiah in spirit and in truth. And I'm amazed as I see the Spirit of God working in her life. So Shabbat Shalom literally means, May your day of ceasing from work be peaceful. What a tremendous blessing. Now, I found the following Shalom blessing immediately after preparing this lesson. It was on a card sent to me four years earlier. It had been slipped away somewhere, and it popped out at this time. God's timing and his confirming words are truly amazing. I want to impart this blessing to you and your loved ones now. It is very, very precious, and as I say, I get so excited when God confirms what he wants me to teach. This is called The Blessing of Shalom. It's by Roy Lessine. Quote, May you be whole in body, soul, and spirit as a result of being in harmony with God's will and purpose for your life. May his peace be your covering, your heart know his fullness, and by his mighty power may you know victory over the enemy. May he bring to pass the deepest desires of your heart, May you know the healing power of his presence and the restoration of every broken relationship. Through his sufficiency, may every need that you face be met by his limitless resources. May his covenant promises be fulfilled in your life and in your family. May he bring you the greatest measure of contentment and the deepest satisfaction that your heart can possibly know. End quote. What a beautiful blessing. And I pray that you'll take it to your hearts and, and grow because of it and, and share this blessing with others. How can a man find peace? The scriptures tell us exactly how that can be done in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace through God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope in the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Praise God. It is my prayer that you will live and breathe heavenly peace, heavenly shalom, this precious gift that God has given to his beloved. And remember, shalom is a dress rehearsal for eternity. Now is the time to prepare. Be sure to check us out also at Bible Interact and Bible Interact TV until we meet again. And spread the message of peace to everyone you see. And I tell you, peace and heavenly shalom, praying it in every part of your life. Pray it over your husband, over your children, over your wives. Pray it for your friends, your families, and your neighbors. And they don't even have to know you're doing it if it's not something they would be comfortable with hearing about yet. But this is powerful. The blessings of God are prophetic. And what we pray in the Spirit, I believe, will come to pass in God's appointed time. So until we meet again, shalom. In Yeshua's name.